Thank you. Well, good morning. I am Daniel by one of the pastors here, and it's good to be with you in this Pentecost Sunday to celebrate this very unique Sunday in the calendar year of the church. And uh, maybe you remember that Pentecost is a celebration that for some people goes back to, uh, to the Old Testament. And it's a day when it reminds us that the Spirit is for us. The Spirit of the Lord came to be with us. And we are going to look at the coming of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. When salvation or the Spirit comes to the city of Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem it spreads out and it comes to the Syrian cities. The Baghdad and everybody that is in... Uh, in the church today is basically saved or filled with the Spirit because of that Pentecost Sunday. It was a while ago, maybe a few weeks ago, when in a church here in town, a worship director was leading, and then he just suddenly collapsed during the worship service. It just so happens that in the parking lot of the church, there was an ambulance waiting for a call. And they got a call, they looked, and they said, oh, it's coming from inside the church. They went inside the church, they took the worship director to the hospital, and they started doing some tests. Well, some of the elders from the church followed them. And they went to the hospital, and they laid hands on the worship leader. He was out, of, out unconscious. And, uh, and then they approached the doctors, and they said, you know, can we also lay hands on you? We are from his church. Would you mind if we, uh, we, if we do that? And one of them was a Christian, and he said, no, we don't mind, uh, please do it. And as they were doing it, there was another doctor who came, another surgeon, and said to, to them as the team, as ready to pray, he said, you know, there's nothing, I looked, I looked again, and we decided there's nothing we can do. He is inoperable. He was basically having a brain aneurysm. And he said, there's no way, there's no books, there's no description of how we can get to this piece uh, of... Uh, harm in his brain so that we can fix it. There's no way to do it. The elders said, okay, uh, do you mind if we still pray? And they said, no, let's pray. And they, they pray, they pray for the doctors, and uh, they pray for God's power and wisdom. And then they finished the prayer, and one of the doctors was a Christian surgeon. And right at the end of the prayer, he says, I've got it. And he says, I had a flash. As you were praying, I have an idea. I think we can do this. And I know, I, I just have an idea. It's it's risky, but I think we should try it. I, I think I have an idea how we can get to the place where we need to go into his brain. And they said, well, we've never done. But they did try it, and it worked. And today, he's, just a few weeks later, he's leading worship again in the church. And sometimes the Spirit of the Lord works through our prayers, reminds us of our gifts, and uses our abilities and our education and our cultural achievements to bless others. In this case, the doctors blessed this family with a father, with a husband, for a few more years. And that's how we all in the world are used by the Holy Spirit, not only to build up the church, but to serve the world, building up His kingdom. And everything that is in us, basically, is used by God for the common good. And whether we work in a car shop, 
or in the operation room, whether we are building a business or designing a landscape for a house or we design a building to change the, uh, the landscape of a downtown and build a high building, whether we are at home doing homeschooling or in a school teaching, we all use our gifts to bless the people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Pastor, I mentioned that 48 years ago, Hillside was born as a church. And we thank you for those of you that uh, were still, I mean, brave enough at that time and still are around here, the charter members, to, uh, to dare to do that. That's a wonderful thing. And some people think that the Pentecost Day is the birth of the church. And they say, on that day, the church was born. And in many ways, that's very true. By a larger definition, though, you can say that the church was, it goes back even to those that worshipped in the tabernacle, right? It goes back to Abraham, and it goes back to, um, it goes back to even to the Garden of Eden where God called Adam and Eve. But on the day of Pentecost, whether you take a narrow view of the church and say it started on the day of Pentecost, or it started earlier with the call of Abraham, I think that it's important for us to remember that the Pentecost Day is the day when we focus on one of the most neglected members of the Trinity. We focus on the Holy Spirit. It is about the third or the, the, this person. And I like what N.T. Wright, one of the theologians, says about it. He says, without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing we can do that it will count for God's kingdom. The church simply can't be the church without it. Just as we say that Jesus is the head of the church and the church is his body, the Holy Spirit is holding us together, is the heart of the church, the soul of the church. There is nothing that the church can do without the Holy Spirit. So this morning I would like us to learn a few things from this story of the Pentecost. And first I would like us to learn what Pentecost is. Second, we are going to learn that at the Pentecost, when we receive the Spirit, we receive power from above. And finally, that the change comes from inside out. The change comes from inside out. So what is then the Pentecost? Is Of course, for the church, is the coming of the Spirit. And many people say, at the, at the Pentecost, the Spirit came and was with us as God's people in a way that was very special. But then, if you think of the Jews, you know, it... It just fell. What, what's interesting is for the Jews, the day of the Pentecost was the day when they celebrated the festival of the weeks. And just think of the word pente. Pente means 50, or penta means 50. So it's about the day of the seven weeks from the previous Jewish festival. So it's 50 days after the festival of the first fruits. You may say, what is the festival of the first fruits, right? So what is the festival of the first fruits? I mean, for the church, this, this day basically accomplishes the 50th day, what we call the Easter tide. You know, have you heard of that, the Easter tide? It's basically after the resurrection of Jesus, the church says, we need about this time to learn what it means to have a resurrected Lord. We let the reality of Jesus being alive sink in 
and change us like it changed the first century disciples. So we need to have these seven weeks in which we learn discipleship. And the church calendar does that. Now if you think of the Jewish calendar, they have four festivals in the spring and three of them in the fall. And the seven Jewish festivals are described in Leviticus chapter 23, if you want to check, or even in Exodus. But as you see, it starts with the festival of the Passover, when is the crucifixion of Jesus. Then it goes to the unleavened bread and the first fruits, which basically celebrates the Easter, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And then 50 days later is what we call today the Pentecost. The Pentecost. Well, if you go even deeper, a little bit deeper, it was the beginning. You know, the Pentecost was in the Jewish calendar celebrating the end of the spring harvest season. It started 50 days ago with the first fruits at Easter when they will bring these green leaves, these green pieces of barley or wheat as a sacrifice to the Lord. They were the first fruits. They were not ready to be harvested. They were just green sticks. And they brought it to the temple and said, Lord, thank you for the harvest that is coming. We already see these plants, so we brought them here. And in 50 days, the harvest was ready, and they were doing this harvesting during these 50 days or seven weeks. And by the day of the Pentecost, or the day of the Jubilee, they will celebrate God's blessing with plenty. For their crops. And what's interesting is right there in the middle, there is a 10 day. Before that, there is a 10 day when the disciples are without Christ. We call the ascension of Christ. It's interesting, 10 days before the Pentecost, Jesus is ascending back to the Father and she says, I will not leave you alone. Just go back in Jerusalem, wait for me, pray there, because I will send somebody to be with you forever and ever. And that will be my spirit, the comforter. And that's what happens. And it's interesting that the four Gospels, the four Gospels, they talk about the story of Jesus and all of them end with the ascension of Jesus. And if you look forward at the book of Acts, the book of Acts starts with the ascension and moves into the coming of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive the power from above, the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses when that power comes, starting here in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth, which means the Hague, you know, the Amsterdam, the Bucharest, and everybody else in this world. And that's what we are doing. As a church, we are expanding God's kingdom, growing God's church, until his knowledge will reach the ends of the earth. And that's the book of Acts. And in chapter 2, it describes the coming. But if you want to even look more carefully, what's interesting is the Jewish festivals. Do you remember this menorah or menorah? In the Jewish, they have these seven candles. And it's like a candle stand. And, and uh, the first four, people say they are already accomplished in the life of Jesus. If you look at them, you have the first four. You start with the Passover, when Jesus was crucified. And you have the unleavened bread. And then the resurrection, uh, the first fruits. And then the, first, the fourth one in the middle is the Pentecost. And you can say that all these four festivals were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Or the first three of them, right? Jesus was crucified. He went and 
descended to hell, we say. He came back, rose again, the first fruits. All of this festival point to Christ. And the fourth one in the middle, you can say, is fulfilled in the life of the church. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he came to be with us. And then the remaining three, basically, are going to be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ. As the trumpets, the festival of the trumpets, when the trumpets shall sound and the Lord will come. The festival of the atonement, when he'll do, uh, invite all of, of, of his people. And then the, the tabernacles, where he will live with us forever in eternity. In the new heaven and the new earth. So, I invite you to just read a few verses with me. From uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. When the day of past Pentecost had come, this was the day. When the Jews were there, maybe a million or more of the Jews were in Jerusalem. They were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit they gave, they gave them utterance. And then the text continues with the story of what happens with the city as they witness this. But I would like us to learn this, this truth as we go along this morning. What happened at the Pentecost? The Spirit came. The Spirit came on the same day. In fact, the Jews at, of the Second Temple, so the, the Jews in the time of Jesus, they said at the Pentecost, we also celebrate the giving of the Ten Commandments. And it's very interesting. In the Old Testament, the, the, second Jewish temp, the, the second Jewish temple, I mean, they were saying, at the Pentecost, we give thanks because God gave to Moses and to us, through Moses, the Ten Commandments. And what's interesting is, in Christ and in the Christian history, right, God chooses this celebration, this festival, to say, I am not going to just have your laws on the Ten Tablets written and passed on to you by Moses. But I'm going to give you somebody bigger than Moses. Christ Jesus. And he will be with you through the power of the Spirit. But he will not be just on tablets outside of yourself. He will come and be inside of you. And basically at the Pentecost we have this fulfillment. God said I will not only let my covenant be on tablets of stones. I want my covenant to come and to live inside of you. You will have this covenant inside of your hearts it will be something that my spirit will live in you in your sons and daughters in your young men and old men and they will feel be filled with the spirit and they will have my laws inside of them and what does it mean to have God's laws inside to have God's spirit it means to have this power from above power from above you see what's interesting is that we say, okay, so is this power from above? Yeah, why is it coming as, as fire? Why are these, these tongues of fire distributed on each disciple, each one of them? Why are we talking about fire? And if you think about it, in the Old Testament, many times God comes as fire. 
The Old Testament has God as fire. Just remember, when he came to Abraham and made a covenant, basically a unilateral promise. He said, I'm promising you something. In Genesis 15, God says to Abraham, just bring these animals, uh, slaughter them here and bring them to me. And this will be the sign of my covenant and my promises to you. You just do what I told you to do. Bring these animals. And I promise to you that I will watch over you. I will give you the land. I will make you a nation. And God comes through those sacrifices like a blazing torch. And Abraham is scared and says, oh Lord, wow. Now I believe in your promise. And then later on, when, remember Moses? When God calls Moses, he was just shepherding his father-in-law sheep. And he is in the wilderness and he comes into this burning bush. And the burning bush burns and burns and burns. And Moses said, there is something special about this burning fire. It's a burning bush that never stops. And as he approaches, God says, Moses, stop. Take your, off your sandals because the, this space that you occupy now is holy. And Moses says, who are you, Lord? Who are you? He looks at the fire. And can you imagine Moses talking to a burning bush, to a fire? And the Lord answers from the burning bush and said, I am who I am. That's who I am. And I want to, to have a mission. From now on, your life is going to take a different trajectory. And if you remember later on, when Moses is on the Mount Sinai and he receives the laws, there is thunder and lightning and noises and fire and, and, and burning fire. And the people see so much fire and there is so much burning that they say, Moses... Can you talk with God alone? We don't want because he's going to burn us. He's going to torture us. Torture us. Uh, he's going to destroy us. Can you do that alone, Moses? So the burning bush, the giving of the laws on Mount Sinai, all of them represent God as a burning fire, as a powerful fire. Remember then in the wilderness, as they travel from Egypt to the promised land, Moses is with them. They have the tabernacle and there is a pillar of fire every night. Just imagine, imagine the camp of the Israelites, right? How much energy, you know? Was that energy efficient? I don't know. But there was a camp lit by God's pillar of fire. In the night, God was there with them, reminding them, I took you out of Egypt, and I am leading you. And they will never move unless that pillar of fire moved. When it started to move, they will start to to make camp and say, now we move. When it stopped, they had to stop. But can you imagine being in one of those tents in the darkness, in the cold of those nights in the wilderness, and just picking your, you know, just opening the tent and just looking and seeing the light, the fire flickering, those tongues of fire, and saying, well, God is with us. Maybe as a child, you were fascinated by that God is with us and that's a reminder in the pillar of fire and then in Ezekiel what's interesting is this is a prophet later on it comes on the scene and in the first chapter Ezekiel tries to describe this vision of God and it's something that even today theologians are puzzled because there are like wheels within wheels and it's a huge machinery and there are beings that have faces and wings and humans and animals and they are all torching fire everything is set on fire and this is moving, and on top of it, there's a throne, and God is sitting there, but he cannot see because everything is burning fire. 
And all of this represents God moving through the universe and moving history. And Ezekiel captures that. So God is a fire in the Old Testament. And then we say, what is going on in the New Testament? How is God in the New Testament? And it's interesting that here in chapter 2 of Acts, God comes to us as tongues of fire on everyone. Everyone receives those tongues of fire. Everyone has the Spirit. These little fires, but instead of burning them, instead of destroying them, it empowers them to do something that no human being could do at a time. And it kind of unties their tongue. And they speak languages that many people in Jerusalem, they only spoke those back home. You see, there were Jews from all, from all of the known world at that time. They came to worship in this Pentecost festival. And they suddenly hear them speaking in their mother's tongues back home. And they say, what's happening here? What's happening? And they realize, the disciples at least, they realize that it's something from above. That there's this power from above. That is not something in them. And they have... They have something that they've never had before. They have the Holy Spirit in themselves. And this power from above also tells us that there is something in us that needs to be fixed. And the Holy Spirit comes to fix our broken mind and heart. You see, usually, usually, even today, and this is true for every time, but I like what Tim Keller says. You know, he says this quote. He says, the world tells you that if you have problems, they are out there. Social prejudice, dysfunctional family, political or economic corruption. If you have problems, they are out there. If you have problems, they are not here. They are out there. The problems are out there and you have inside everything you need in order to solve your problems. He says that in 20 years, people have stopped or maybe they do not go as often to the counselors and psychologists. 20 years ago, he says, people went to the psychologist because they said, I need help, I need to change. Today, they say people don't go because they say, I don't need help, I don't need to change, the world needs to change. You have to accept me as I am. You have to change, all of you. So, power from above reminds us that there is no power in us to save ourselves. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And God knew that in the Old Testament. He said, it doesn't matter how many tablets of the law I give, how many ordinances, how many rules I give you, how many laws, lines I draw. You will cross them all. From the Garden of Eden, we are people who disobey, distrust, doubt, and do not follow God's laws. That's why he says, I am going to make a new covenant. And this time I'm going to put my law in your hearts. I'm going to send my spirit so that you will obey me from your heart. So power from above and change from the inside out. It's change from the inside out and you experience Jesus is a new way. You might say, what does he mean? What does he mean that I have the spirit in me? It suddenly makes sense. Imagine these disciples were afraid to even say that we follow Jesus. A few weeks earlier. They were afraid. Even today, when they receive this thing, they are, they are still in a room, kind of doors locked. They are still afraid. They don't know what to say. They don't have courage. They are still kind of hiding from 
the major players of the day. They are afraid of the political, religious leaders, establishment, everybody else. They are afraid. And yet they experience something different when this spirit comes. And one analogy is, just think of your child, right? It's, it's something very unique when you hold the, the hand of a child. Maybe it's a toddler, maybe a five or six years old, or maybe a teenager. And if you are a dad, you are so proud to hold a child's hand. Even when a teenager says, wow, even at this age, they hold my hand. But imagine how deeper it is. It's, there's nothing changed in this relationship, but how deeper it is when you hug your child. How deeper is that hug? It's just an increased level of fellowship, of love, of assurance, of commitment, of transfer, of care. And that's what the disciples feel. Suddenly they say, no, Jesus is not abandoning us. The Father is not abandoning us. He, they, said, they, they told us, Jesus said, just pray and stay together because I'm going to send you the power. And he said, finally we have it. And they have this power. And they experience Jesus' loves in a new way. And they understand it. And they start to laugh. And they start to have fun. To the point that people say, you, you had something to drink. Didn't you? What was it? It was 9 o'clock in the morning. And they say, you are drunk already at 9? And peop, you know, people start to doubt. You know, what's going on? I think it's substance abuse. And Peter says, no, no, no. It's not that. No, it's not that. You, you don't know. This is something new. This is the Pentecost. This is something that God is doing here. And you also have a new comforter. You know, what does it mean to be filled? You have a new comforter. And it's, it's an internal. Now it's in your, in your heart. Up to this point, maybe you went to work or to school and you needed the approval of the others, the acceptance of the others. And suddenly this comforter says, I love you. God loves you. You are precious to me. It doesn't matter what the world says, what your boyfriend says, what your mean a friend who writes on Facebook or on social media about you. I love you. And that doesn't change. That's what we were singing this morning. God's love is stable. And this is how, how Jesus says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. The helper there is the comforter, the advocate, the one that will stand for us. And we remind you of everything that I said. It will remind you to even pray. You know, just a few uh, days ago, this son, I mean, of our church, Drew Vanderhill, he was scheduled for um, a bone marrow transplant. Maybe you remember, it was a, a Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. And on Thursday, Tuesday night, he was not doing well. His blood pressure was really high. His heartbeat was really high. And everybody was worried, is he going to be able to go through this? Because it's a timely thing and stuff. So... On Wednesday morning, everybody was praying. There was a meeting at a church, at a school where he goes, and his family and our family of faith. Everybody was in prayer. And the mother testifies and says, you know what? At about 9.13, 13 minutes after the hour, everything came back to normal. His blood pressure dropped to the normal levels, his heart rate. And at 9.19, 19 minutes later, he had a transplant. And today, they say, he is... A miracle beyond belief he's doing so well that tomorrow he might return to his home. He will still be in isolation, but the numbers are so good. His body received that it looks like the graft took place. We don't know if this is the final solution for him, but we know that for the next few days and maybe months, for the next five months, he's going to stay in isolation. But what a wonderful answer to prayer. What a wonderful reminder of the Spirit, that Spirit works through you, and through me, he works, is alive in our community. He teaches us. He reminds us to pray. He reminds us to care. He reminds us to make that phone call. 
to embrace each other, we have that internal comforter. And then finally, we are fearless in proclaiming the gospel. Peter preaches the gospel like never before. This is a guy who 53 days before this time denied Christ three times in front of a little servant. He was so afraid that he said, I, I never knew this guy. And look what he says today. He starts to preach and open the scriptures and basically he says, you guys, you the Jews here in Jerusalem, we killed him. We crucified him. And nobody could deny it. They knew. Yeah, maybe most of these people that were here, they were at that time in Jerusalem and they said, crucify him, crucify him. And then when they hear Peter, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest, brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? It was the Holy Spirit who cut who used the message to cut into their hearts. And Peter said to them two things, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. And if you say this morning, I've never received the Holy Spirit, the same thing. What shall we do? The answer is for you, the same thing. Repent and be baptized. That's why we baptize this morning these wonderful children. Because we believe that the promise is for them. Weston, Kenza, and Margaret, they receive God's promise of his love. Of his presence with them. And we believe that by the Spirit something happened in their hearts. And that faith is going to grow. So what do you do today? If you've never received the Spirit, just repent and be baptized. And you will see that the Spirit works in you and changes you. And if you are here and you say, I've done that. The Spirit is in me. I will say, just let the Spirit work in you. Be filled with the Spirit just as the apostles are, were filled. When you are filled with the Spirit, there is something in us that breaks. There is some fear that dissipates. And we are almost like drunk in the Spirit. But not because we are not aware of reality, but we see things clearly. We see the forest, not only the trees. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you will grab hold of us. That you will just help us this morning to allow you to conquer our fears, our disappointments, our doubts, our anxieties. And to take grab and hold of our hearts. To be the master of our lives. The shaper of our universe, of our destiny. So we ask that we as a church, we will allow you today to fill us just as you fill the disciples, to walk in your power, in the power of the Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and receive the, the greeting, as we, the blessing of the Lord. As we leave this place, if you need somebody to pray with, we have people in the prayer room here to my right that they will be willing to pray with you and be glad to talk to you. As you leave this place, May the presence of the Holy Spirit that comes to us through the love of the Father and the sacrifice of Jesus' Son be with you in this coming week and fill you with his power and presence. Amen. You may go in peace.